baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on WBEN. Now, WBEN's David Bellavia. Welcome back to the final hour of Hotline. We're going to go to you. <laughs> Hardline. We're going to go to the hotline here in a second. We've got Dr. Jacob Nyheisel here from uh, the University of Buffalo. And we've got the Republican line. Lines are open 803-0930 on the Republican line. The Democratic line 644-9875. We're talking about HR1. And one of the uh, ethics reforms, uh, things the Democrats passed on party lines, basically, Mm -hmm. we're, we're asking for tax returns to be released by the President of the United States, not just Donald Trump but only because of Donald Trump. But we're asking all future presidents to release their tax returns. And if the tax returns reveal so much information, what's the statute of, do they do it five years before they run for office, during their time in office? And why is that not good enough for the speaker, the the minority leader, the Senate, uh, Ways and Means? These are powerful committees. And if you want to talk about eliminating corporate, you know, largesse into government legislation, (laughs) I mean... Congress has a lot of juice, too. Oh, absolutely. Particularly ways and means. I mean, power committee in the House, and they control the, the money. It's a and, pretty big deal. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've abdicated that authority to the president in some regard, but they're still there. Let's go to the phone on the Democratic line. We have Frank in Niagara Falls. Frank, you're on hard line. Go ahead, sir. You know, conservatives don't realize that a majority of Americans don't live in the uh, Fox News conservative media bubble. You know, when Republicans take a reasonable bill like H.R. 1, you know, to curb corruption and make sure all Americans have a chance to vote and that their vote actually means something, and make it into a specious rant using the disproven illegal aliens are voting bullcrap, you know, it makes us uh, very angry and frustrated. Right. Who's doing that? Well, it's all over the, you know, there's people using that... uh, Argument. I just saw a Republican using. I don't have it. Well, let's not. Okay, well, you call their show and yell at them. Talk to me about what I'm saying, though. What I'm saying is the argument, the the, the topic we're talking about today. This Republican, me, my, I'm a conservative. I'm saying that if we're going to say release the tax returns, which I am on record by saying I think that Trump should release his mm-hmm. tax returns. What? Um, why isn't that for everyone? Shouldn't everyone elected to office release their tax returns? Everyone has released her tax return. Nancy Pelosi has never released a tax return. Who? Nancy Pelosi has never released a tax return. We're talking about every elected member. What's that? We have a guy. We have a right to know where Trump money is going. No, I, I totally listen. I agree with that. But we're, the topic that we're talking about is if we're going to take HR one at its, uh, you know, if this is going to be the law of the land. Why don't we ask every member that anyone that runs for office as a part of your FEC, you know, form two should be an amend you, you uh, as an addendum put in your tax return for five years? Well, you know, Republicans are whining about this. You know, they controlled three branches of government for two years, but few did anything to, to 
secure stuff like that. I don't think Republicans do want to release their tax returns. I agree. Yeah. Except for Tulsi Gabbard. You know, H.R. 5147, you know, which Republicans killed. Right, right. But Tulsi Gabbard's a Democrat. Give me your, your specious arguments and your bullcrap, okay? Frank, Frank, I'm, I don't understand what you're... I think you're just arguing in, a, in an echo chamber here. What I'm saying is, I agree the president should release his tax returns. I agree that most Republicans do not want to release tax returns. Chris Collins doesn't want to release his tax returns. There are many re- Republicans that do not. I'm saying, though, if H.R. 1... Is if we're going to be consistent, the president is not just the only person that should release him. I, I think everyone should. Well, I agree with you. All right. <laughs> so let, let's let's find common ground together, Frank. Bill, there's other parts of that bill that we have to address. Right, and you're 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 focusing on the uh, the voter uh, what is it the voter rights uh, right. segment of it? Yeah, of course, you know what part of gerrymandering foreign money in our politics and voter suppression sounds patriotic to you. I, dude, I don't know what... I'm Again, He's I'm, oh, I'm 100% part. on board with you. I, I think that the congressional districts of 700,000 people per congressional district should be done on geographical county lines. Absolutely. And, and you know, talk about karma when you Republicans are the only ones committing voter fraud. As they got caught ballot well, Frank, I don't, again, Carolina. though, that th- you're talking about North Carolina 9. Uh, again, I, what I'm saying is if you went by county, if you went by, by boundaries of county lines and you did each congressional district by that, wouldn't that eliminate all the problems? Why doesn't Albany want to do that? Well, you know, because the Republicans made up these districts. and t- The Republicans did? Who's running the state of New York? Well, no, I mean, uh, in 2010 when they took over Congress and and the... Uh, re- yeah, but it goes by the state States. lines. See, see, what I'm saying, though, is, that, is it possible that the gerrymandering is also something Democrats want to do as well as Republicans? Uh, I doubt that. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, New York State's run by Democrats, and the courts have a say in it. And if you look at the state of New York, Louis Slaughter, for 25 years, had a, a congressional district that looked like a shotgun pattern went off a map. <laughs> that thing was hugging the border of Lake Ontario and everything else. That was done to make her happy. Well, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. We, we have to have a fair discussion about this because, you know, uh, back in the day, Barack Obama got rid of... Uh, um, percentages district because he didn't agree with his policy. So I'm saying that if, if we're if we're going to take this, it, it needs sober minds to look at it and say what's fair for Republicans is fair for Democrats. And then if we're going to get rid of gerrymandering, we do it across the board everywhere. We have pass a federal law that says this is the way these things are decided. And if we're going to ask one person to release their tax returns, everyone should because I agree with HR one. No member of Congress should sit on a corporate board. Especially if it deals with what legislation they're Absolutely. passing. It's 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 exactly. So why did Mitch McConnell kill the bill in the Senate? I think it's mostly doing to the uh, McConnell. The the, Demo- the Republicans in the Senate are more upset about the voter, the voter side of it. That was the most corrupt politician in the history of the United States. Really? Address that fact. Yes. He- well, I'm not a big fan of McConnell either. I think he's a turtle. I, I'd put that in there too. <laughs> Okay, thank you. And I don't, I don't, I don't like the. I don't think he should be the Senate uh, Majority Leader and have a wife on the cabinet. 
I don't know about most corrupt, though. I'll, I'll throw that out there. We've had I, some I really... Think, <laughs> I don't think any person in leadership should be married to someone who's in the administration. I don't know about most corrupt. What was it? Uh, Jefferson down in New Orleans had oh, come on. 100,000 in his two freezer. Humvee, he had two Humvees <laughs> in his... Yeah. Anyway, let's go to the Republican line. John in Buffalo. John, you're on Hardline. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Dave. Hey, Professor. Morning. I, I, uh, you brought up a good point. Where do you draw the line on getting these tax returns? 20 years, 5 years, 3 years? Uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. But I say, okay, if they enact this, let's uh, make it apply to the Congress also. And I'll, you know, I'll give you the, uh, just one example. Uh, the conflicts of interest that Joe Biden had uh, when he was vice president, his son had a, uh, I think his son and John Kerry's son had this uh, Chinese business enterprise going uh, in Red China. And, and, and to be on the other side of it, Mitch McConnell and her and his wife's family have some big business enterprises going with Red China. And to me, that, that's the type of thing that uh, should be uh, fleshed out on both, you know, not if the president is going to be under that kind of uh, scrutiny, so they should be also. Well, here's the problem. You know, when everyone talks about the statistic that presidents uh, release their tax returns and Trump is the only guy in 40 years to not do it, what they're forgetting is that these presidents only released their tax returns while they were president. And that's not what the House of Representatives is asking of Donald Trump. They're asking for the two years that led to his presidency. And that's what no other president has done before. So, but what I'm getting at is that Pelosi has never released a tax return. And she says, I'm not running for president. And, and I'm just making the argument that if we're going to ask for tax returns, we have to have what is important while you're president. I mean, you don't think that a per- Mitt Romney did not release anything until he decided to run for president. But what if Mitt Romney's corruption occurred 10 years before? Sure. You're never going to get to that. So, so I think we need to have a conversation about what we're looking for <laughs> rather than exactly. just, is it an indicator of someone we can trust, right? Someone who is transparent and in, in that uh, is some kind of cue as to how they're going to govern going into the future. So let, let, let's get to the facts here with John uh, from Buffalo. Let's say that we find something horrible in your tax returns. What power does Congress have to do a damn thing about it? What are you going to do to the president? You're well, going to indict him? As far as my, my, I'm not a constitutional attorney, but from my knowledge, they can't do anything. You can't do anything because while unless he's cheated on his taxes, unless he's done something that you believe is a high crime or a misdemeanor, you certainly can't indict a sitting president for something he did before he was in office. And if the point of looking at your tax returns is to see what kind of person, then what you really want to pass a law is to say you can't run for president unless you've released your tax returns. Because right. while they're in, there's not a damn thing you could do to them. But again, my, my point is H.R. 1 isn't about getting to the truth. H.R. 1 is about causing havoc and creating more you know, issues for this president going into 2020. Well, it's aspirational. There are things I think that everyone can agree with in there, um, but how it was gone about maybe uh, is a bit more perhaps targeted than it than it could have been if they were really trying to, to reach across the aisle. They know it has no chance, and so they yeah. just loaded it up with basically an, an aspirational agenda. And Daylight uh, saving legislation has a better chance of going through <laughs> than H.R. 1. They amended it to, to include it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> we're going to throw in uh, pork futures as well. John of Buffalo, you got anything else? Oh, well, actually, I'm from Rochester, but that's okay, Dave. Oh, I'm sorry. But, but, uh, Good job, Joe. I, 
I'm, I'm honored when you say I'm from Buffalo because originally I was from Buffalo. But, but anyway, that's what we meant. <laughs> I wanted to say, uh, yeah, Barbara Boxer comes under there too. I think she had a lot of connections with China. And then Frank brought out the point about the voter, uh, 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 more voters uh, coming into the process and uh, more voter rights. But uh, the Republicans, of course, want to prohibit. Uh, that because of there's a lot of voter, voter fraud out there. The Philadelphia thing in Obama's second term. You mean the Black Panther that was uh, you know watching the polls? Of course, there's fraud on both sides. But whatever party is in power decides that that's the outrage. And I agree with you totally, John Rochester. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Angelo in Niagara Falls, sir. You're on uh, the Republican line. Go ahead. Hi guys, how are you? Great. Doing well. Great. Thanks. I just wanted to bring up uh, two points, please. Uh, what makes me kind of chuckle is Donald Trump. I know you guys know, but I'm just going to say it. He's a multi-billionaire with a huge corporation, teams of lawyers, teams of accountants, uh, regular audits. I don't see. Uh, he's not a guy that's sitting at his kitchen table going, hmm, how do I write off this dry cleaning bill? Right, TurboTax. <laughs> right. <laughs> point i agree with you 100 percent. if i'm running for congress i release it there's so many members of congress that are multimillionaires. there's one in particular that lives in a five million dollar mansion in california and they're government workers so i the- i'm just saying equal opportunity i'm sure to, to your point though i'm sure that uh uh, uh, Donald Trump isn't doing his taxes with the fine accounting firm of HR and Block. Right? <laughs> uh, I think he might have some more sophistication there. But Angelo brings up the point of of why not. I mean, listen, you, you know, when you look at, uh, I think it's the tuna industry that uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi is connected to, either uh, Starkist or Bumblebee. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, her her husband is is huge into that. There's a tuna a, magnate. Well, no, the, she, they, there's tons of money there. You've oh, got, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you've got people that find their way. A lot of these elected officials are bored millionaires. Right. And they look at, at at leadership and they look at serving the people as a hobby to right. do because, you know, they're bored of the of working day to day at a at an office. And may I just say uh, the program, uh, may I mention a, a program on Fox? Sure, go ahead. Uh, Steve Hilton at nine o'clock uh, Sundays. His program is fantastic because there's a segment of his program called uh, Draining the Swamp, something to do with the swamp. Yes. He will identify a particular politician, both sides. And then nail him. Yeah. Yeah, it's always refreshing to see people that uh, actually, you know, are consistent and and do that. Thank you, Angela. Appreciate that. Of course, we ask everyone 9 o'clock to listen to Randy Bush over here on WBEN on Sundays. But, you know, you have your choice. You can do whatever. We're going to take a break. We come back. Your Republican line, 803-0930. Uh, the Democratic line, 644-9875. We're going to move over to the Paul Manafort uh, sentencing and how controversial that is. A lot of people up in arms. We'll explain a little bit of the minutia of what, where we think that, where that's going and what that means. Uh, Paul Manafort's indictment, uh, HR1, and some more. And your calls, of course. It's Hardline. And that's the definition of payola. <laughs> that's what we were talking about in the break. Uh, at any rate, uh, that's why we frown against anything like that. It's Hardline, 
And Dr. Jacob Neuheisel from the University of Buffalo's uh, Political Science Department. He's associate professor out there. We just got a text message to say, great to hear Jake Nye, the political science guy, is back again. And then a series of Jake, Jake, Jake chants. You can always hear the chants, yeah. That's really cool. There, You've got a following already. Uh, someone says... Um, uh, so uh, I was visiting a couple who makes just under $200,000 a year, and I asked if they were millionaires yet, and they are not. So then I asked how these senators and congressmen are millionaires on the same salary. What are they doing that a law-abiding couple is not? Hmm. I don't know. It's a good question. So you're saying probably that probably pretty old. Well, what I'm saying, though, is that if you but the argument is that if you find out that a deal is going through, it took what mm-hmm. the last five years we got the Stock Act. Right. I mean, that, that was something that needed to be passed in the House of Representatives. Right now, a member of the House cannot be sued for libel or slander. Yep. Right. They can get on the floor and say, O.J. Simpson murdered my ex-wife. And nobody would be able to do a thing about it because it could be true, by the way, with OJ. Ooh, yeah. But the second thing is, of course, if it's not true, you're on the House floor. You could do whatever you want to do. There are different rules that they yes. ha- they live by. Absolutely. They take advantage of them. Hey, Paul Manafort, you know who he is. Paul Manafort uh, was sentenced to 47 months in jail. Now, this is not the end of his road. He still has to face uh, U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson. If you don't know by her three names, she is a liberal and she is a Obama-appointed judge. And this will not be a friendly court at all. This is the same judge, by the way, who put a gag order on Roger Stone. Also, I think put a literal gag and ball bit in his mouth as well because he, he didn't follow. That. He didn't follow. Stop it. <laughs> he didn't follow the original gag order. So she's very frustrated with a lot of these other cases that have to do right. with right. Russian collusion. A couple things that came out of this sentencing, though, that I don't think. Let me just put it this way. Here's how we know that this is not good news for people that hope that there's Russian collusion with the president is that we're now talking about tax returns and we're now talking about a host of different issues with uh, Congressman Nadler and and everyone else wanting to investigate the Trump organization. This was about Russian collusion, but we heard from this judge this has nothing to do with the Russian collusion. This is about Paul Manafort basically being a poor steward who was defrauding the federal government right. with taxes. I think Trump took it the wrong direction to say that this exculpates him. I, I don't think it does that at all. It's just Manafort's crimes were predominantly pre-campaign, and that was his own doing for the most part. He was lobbying as a foreign agent when he wasn't registered as such. He was you know, not reporting income that he had. So I think this is mostly about Manafort. Um, it's also... You know, doesn't really speak to the Russia investigation. Uh, that being said, that the the Mueller uh, team they've been notoriously tight lipped, but the, there doesn't seem to be the any future indictments coming out here. I mean, they they could be holding on to them, but we've been hearing for a couple weeks now that uh, the the reports coming, the reports coming, and you would think that they would have indicted somebody else by by that time. Well, we're going to talk more about Paul Manafort's sentencing. We're going to talk about daylight saving time. We're also going to talk about HR1. Whatever you want to talk about, Republican line is 803-0930. Democratic line is 644-9875. It's hard line. We'll be back after the news. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute and just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. There we go. That's Joe Beamer's iPod. Blast from the past. 
Uh, we got Dr. Jacob Neheisel here, and uh, I want to switch gears. I want to play you a little bit of Stephanie Brown James. She's a three-named uh, uh, Democratic strategist. I always find that's the easiest way to find out someone's political ideology. If you're a female with three names, I know it all ma- already. It's an interesting heuristic. That's, yeah, that's about a cool 85% shortcut. of three-named people, hyphenated names, are going to be progressive Democrats. Wasn't there a movie like Conspiracy Theory where they, they had ideas about three well, named people? This one, this one proves my uh, thesis. Uh, okay. Stephanie Brown James, she's a Democratic strategist, and she was on with uh, Global Affairs ABC correspondent Martha Raddatz. And here's what she had to say about Democratic Congresswoman freshman uh, Omar, who's created a lot of controversy with some, you know, questionable uh, retweets and comments on her Twitter page. I think it is creating a healthy conversation. I mean, you can be critical of Israel like you can of of any country that does not equate to be an anti-Semitic. Unless, of course, when it is anti-Semitic, and that is what the problem is here. It's No one's arguing whether or not you can't be critical of Israel. Right. But when you're retweeting tweets that say, hook-nosed Jew, yeah, man, that is going to show up on every single Final Jeopardy category under the answer, what is anti-Semitic? Or when you're tapping into I don't, whether she knew she was doing it or not, old racist tropes. Uh, okay, but let, let's just say whether, because this is a common thing, whether she knew she what she was doing or not. Yeah, I, I think intense out the window for the most but, part. But let's say that Governor Northrum, when he was 26, didn't know yeah. that he was tapping into hurtful rhetoric and tropes and imagery when he decided to put Kiwi shoe polish on his face and and do, uh, you know, the moonwalk. It turned out that it was. And so that's not something that we give certain members uh, of, depending on what state they're from. Right. And let's be honest. Is Representative Omar getting this defense if she's a white Democrat from Iowa, but because she's from a predominantly Muslim district, I should say the largest um, uh, Somali district in Minnesota. And she is a, you know, she's a Muslim. She's a freshman. She's getting a cover. I mean, for this, first of all, the whole thing is ridiculous that we have to pass any non-binding legislation saying we don't hate Jews. I mean, that's a talk about wasting everyone's time. No one. There should be no place where legislation is needed to say that you don't hate anyone in this country. Right. But the idea that we included Muslims and Jews in this legislation, but we didn't include Mormons. We didn't include Native Americans, transgendered, gays. What, what what I don't understand what we're trying to do here. What this this dialogue that we're having right now, I'm not appreciative of Representative Omar for having this dialogue. To me, this shows how absolutely you know we've digressed. We we were not pro, we're not this is an evolution. We're devolving as you know as we speak. Well, there's a couple ways to think about that. One, it's just been under the surface, and we haven't talked about it, and so it seemed like it was okay, and now that it's bubbled up, things you know are not okay and, and we do need to have this conversation. So it's not clear whether it was just out of sight, out of mind, or and this was an actual opportunity to talk about some things that have been simmering, or if it's really just putting things out there that wouldn't have come up naturally. Okay, now you are a PhD college professor. You're also someone who has worked with many candidates over the years. If you're sitting down as a paid consultant and you have someone who has have these problems, you're telling me 
that Dr. Jacob Nyheisel could not unpack this in 25 seconds. This is obviously <laughs> someone who knows exactly what she's doing and whether or not she thinks America is ready for this conversation, she wants to have this conversation right. on her own terms. Now, unfortunately, this plays into the stereotype of many millennials mm -hmm. that they want to do things their way for the sake of doing it. You could support that or think that that's annoying, but this is what this kid's doing. She's doing this for the sake of, I want to rankle. Many on the left think that Donald Trump does that. He he trolls his enemies. He rankles people for the sake of doing it. Mm -hmm. And she is... Triggering the libs. <laughs> she is doing that with many, many people, but she's doing it with AIPAC. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we haven't seen is that the Democrats have a very uncomfortable relationship with AIPAC in the sense that... A lot of people in New York City, a lot of people where there's large Jewish populations vote party line Democrat. But when push comes to shove, that's the party that gave them the Iran nuke deal. That's the party that didn't want to give them money for their Iron Dome. Mm -hmm. That's the party that looks at the, uh, you know, it was Barack Obama's administration. It was, this, it was the State Department of Hillary Clinton that went to the U.N. and said, let's have language saying that Israel is doing things like an apartheid state right. that wasn't from Republican administrations. So if you want to keep that balance act going where Jewish Americans are going to vote strictly Democrat, you cannot have a freshman Somali Muslim Democrat running around saying that APAC is the party of non-Americans. There's definitely a tension there. And it's one of the dangers of being a captive group, right? Where Where's your credible threat to bolt? Um, if you're if you're in the, the Democratic Party and you don't like what's going on right now, I, I suppose you have more of a threat than than others that you could go to the other side of the aisle and, and see what Republicans have to offer you. Uh, but for the most part, it, you, you have these groups that become you know, called captive or captured where the party can basically ignore your needs and you have nowhere else to go in terms of casting your vote. But let, let's just look at, at this in the wake of the commentary made by Nancy Pelosi, which said, our strength is our diversity. But that's not really, I mean, listen, I'm all about diversity, right? It's always great to get other people's points mm -hmm. of views. I, I'm going to talk about uh, what it's like to be transgender. I have no idea what it's like to be transgender, right? I have no idea what it's like to be you know, looked at because of my skin color and not given access to jobs and everything else. I'll listen to people that have a different walk than I have. I think that's part of being evolved as a grown-up. Not just that, but research shows that you have better outcomes, unless you're trying to do something very technical like build a bridge, which you want an engineer to do that. You don't want a committee to build a bridge. Or, well, maybe you do, but... Right. It doesn't take a village. <laughs> it doesn't take a village to build a bridge. Right. But for a vast majority, you know, the vast majority of other outcomes, diverse voices in a room, um, be it just differences of opinion or differences but, of background, they help improve outcomes. But here's where my hard-headed conservatism, you know, jumps in. I'm all about listening to it, but it doesn't mean you're right. Right. Just because you're different, just because you have a different point of view does not mean in any, you know, academia, the different opinion isn't always the right opinion. It's great to hear all sides of the argument, but there are equally the ratio of ignorant to intelligent is equal depending on how many people are in your camp. Right. There were a lot of people that said, let's invade Panama. It turns out, well, I mean, you know, was that the right decision to make? There might have been two people that said, don't do it, or two people that said, do it. We make bad decisions all the time. 
to me, the argument here is that to be diverse, you're bending over backwards to be diverse, and that's something that should be complimented. Mm -hmm. But you're starting to find out that when you bend over backwards for diversity, you end up looking like you're a party. There are a lot of, you know, in the Middle East especially, you know, what's par for the course over there is not par for the course over here. And when you have people talking about Israel, India, now we're hearing, you know, India is is wrong for defending their border. Is India is wrong for for years? We were on pro. We're the Pakistani side of the war on terror. We we looked at the largest democracy in the world and said we don't want you, India. We want to be with Musharraf. We want to be with the was Jiristan side of, of beating Al Qaeda. Where did that get us? Bin Laden was living in a condo, you know, in, in West Point, and nobody seemed <laughs> to know what was going on. I mean, we have made mistakes when we've bent over backwards to try to appease one side or another. I don't know if the Democrats are doing themselves any services right now going into a, a national election when it's just diversity first. I want a black woman. I want a woman more than I want a man, not be, for any other reason, just because it's right. different. No, it's going to be a continual tension that they're going to have to deal with, and particularly when policies become zero-sum, right? Somebody wins and somebody loses, and the government is typically in the business of picking winners and losers, right? Uh, you're 15 and a half, you can drive. You're 15 straight up, you can't drive. That's, that's picking a winner and a loser. Um, but when you know, we have policies that are zero-sum and that somebody stands to gain and somebody doesn't, that's when pluralism is going to work. That's when group conflict is going to come into play. And that's when you have a really hard time keeping your coalition together. Now, you spend a, tr a tremendous amount of time dealing with young minds in, in school. You're talking to people from all different backgrounds. And whatever reason they go into political science, you're inheriting this group and mm -hmm. you're just trying to, you know, this is the baseline. Let's have discussion. You do this every day of your life. Okay? Yeah, try to. Now, we're seeing that there is a movement in the United States to reduce the voting law to 16. Mm -hmm. There's Wisconsin's trying it. We, we, everyone's thinking, you know, having these debates. And while we're doing that and trying to empower younger people, we're also in New York State saying, but you can't vape or smoke until you're 21. Right. Yeah. So so it's like some of the of the party wants to embrace this youth which is it's full of vitality, it's full of earnest, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see young people involved. No matter what side they're on, it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, the young side wears a red hat, you know, we have other issues there, we have issues with people, you know, joining the Black Panthers or joining the Klan. We, of course, have to organize it so that they're productive in what they do. But there is a difference between young people getting involved on the Democratic side and young people that are getting involved in the Republican side. The college campus isn't, it's diverse, mm -hmm. but is it really open? Is it fair? Are there, I mean, are there people that could, I mean, a guy got punched in the face at Berkeley yeah. for hold, holding up a table. That would never have happened. That would have been a, a floor of Congress non-binding vote if that was a transgender. If Chelsea Manning did a talk at Berkeley and someone cracked over the head with a pipe Nancy Kerrigan style, that would have been a non-binding resolution. So where do we balance diversity to also equality? Uh, <laughs> if I had the answer to that, I'm sure I'd be making much more money than I am. I can only speak to, to my own classes and... I, I try to do whatever I can to admit of any perspective, and I don't shut anyone down unless it's completely out to lunch. You know, it's completely off off the rails. Um, and there's there's a 
I don't want to say it's a myth, but there's a storyline out there that all college campuses are indoctrinating young minds and in particular political uh, perspectives. I I have a hard time getting people to read sometimes the the assignments that are given to them. So the idea that I'm, I'm indoctrinating um, doesn't really scan with me, but it's an empirical question. And it's something we, I think, so it should uh, study more and, and, and look toward. Um, you know, basically, we know that people are people and minds are hard to change. And just because they're, they're young doesn't mean that they don't have their own ideas and won't seek out information that allows them to reinforce their own perspective. So it's there's a selection problem is what I'm trying to, to say going in. Well, Republican strategist Alice Castellanos was on the same show with Martha Raddatz, uh, Raddatz and here's what he said about uh, Representative Omar. Congresswoman Omar got uh, mud on her white dress that she wore to the State of the Union, anti-Semitic mud. And instead of apologizing it and washing it off, what she hid in a crowd. Well, and then he went on to say this, which was equally as controversial. This tells us something else, too. How much power Nancy Pelosi does not have over the Democrats in Congress now. The Young Turks are running well, the she, show. She... The Young Turks. Everyone's saying that that uh, in itself was a racist trope, trope, I should say, uh, to uh, the fact that Omar is Muslim. What do you say? Yeah, I don't think I would have said that. But... Right. <laughs> but, but... The barbarians are rushing the yeah. gates. I mean, did he mean to say that? Or I, oh, I he don't totally know. meant to say that. Yeah. How could you, on a show like that, you, right. you do come prepared. I mean, it doesn't slip out. You can't yeah. accidentally say, you know. But again, this is where we're at. We're going to talk more about this with uh, Dr. Jacob Nyheisel. We'll take your calls. 803-0930, Republican line, 644-9875 on the Democratic line. Is diversity actually in an effort to become more diverse are we actually being more, are we becoming more polarized that's what the the topic that we'll have uh, Dick, the 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 paid stunt brain dr jacob nyheisel uh will answer that when we come back and we'll take your calls 803-0930 republican line 644-9875 democratic line more after this break it's hard line Cowbell. There it is. I need more cowbell. Cowbell. Uh, Dr. Jacob Nyheisel, before we left, we asked about uh, diversity and whether or not it's, uh, you know, you, you make the point of, uh, you know, groupthink is great to formulate what you think is going to be the best decision. But when the de- when the decision is predicated on groupthink, it has to be a little bit of everyone. Well, that works when it comes to legislation. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these life and death decisions of bridge making and heart transplants and combat, not exactly. It doesn't really help us. Right. There's a role for diversity and there's a role for um, I, the, the fancy word we say enclaves. Right. There, there's a role for getting together, speaking to each other and becoming more sure about your beliefs. And then you can then be more confident to, to put those beliefs out there into the public sphere. So there's a role for both, to be sure. So, so why is it, though, that when we talk about diversity and we talk about how we want everyone represented, we still have demographics of people that vote almost 90 percent for one party? If there truly is something that we celebrate diversity, it's only the, the diversity that some people are comfortable with. It's not black people can't have diversity when they say, I want to vote for Donald Trump. 
Yeah, I think that's that's more of just group pressures, right? There's um, being part of a group sometimes means going along with the group in in all aspects, including politics. And so, yeah, that's a really easy way to ostracize yourself if you want to to stray from the herd there. So, as much as we want to be diverse, it's okay to have a Muslim freshman talking about Israel, and we'll find ways to work with that. But if you have a white congressman who uses the term white nationalist, that guy has to be run out of Congress on a rail. He has to be removed from his committees. Uh, the ideology is repugnant, but shouldn't anti-Semitic you know, ideology be repugnant? Yeah, I, I don't pretend to be able to rationalize. The, I need answers. The, <laughs> no. no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's to me, this is, I think this is the biggest frustration for conservatives today is how duplistic it all seems to be. It, you know, it, it, and again, when you get to it, what we can agree on is that nobody should be judged because of what they're attracted to or the right. lifestyle they want to live or how they feel they were born or what decision they want to make after they were born. Yeah, there are always charges of you know hypocrisy and we're not being treated the same way. I. I I'm not sure if that that's more than just a partisan strategy. Otherwise, that that is to say that. Gosh, we, we all want what is good for us, and we don't want what is good for somebody else. And right. if that if that can be well, see, but how I, I'm in not, some kind of understanding. I, I'm not affected by who San Francisco votes in the, in Congress, right? right? And, and I guess in the long run, you could say if they present a bill that— If they're on the winning side, it affects you. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? So when I look at who Iowa puts in, I don't care. Minnesota, it doesn't bother me, right? But when I look at the fact that you're taking time— to this, this bill was not about making a uniform statement that we love Jews. That wasn't what this was about. That was telling a freshman member of Congress, you are absolutely out of line, you're wrong, and you will be embarrassed for making those statements. And it never ended up happening because she's still on her Foreign Services Committee with Elliot Engel, who's very pro-Israel. Right. Uh, he, and not only that, you threw in a bunch of other things that make it so that you're not even embarrassing her for making the statements to begin with. Yeah, it could have been dealt with internally, but this was a, a chance to pivot and put some people in an uncomfortable position. Because what's the, the rhetoric surrounding it now is, what, 23 Republicans voted against it. Who who could possibly be against anti-discrimination? Right, right, so right, right. It, it, was, it was a way to— Alex to, Castellanos, evidently. Yeah, to, yeah. Well, it was a way to make lemonade, really, out of a situation that was an internal squabble that was really spilling over and then turn it into something that was, was good politics. There you have it. That is uh, the voice of Dr. Jacob Nyheisel. Next week, we'll have some candidates in a local, uh, what, Erie County legislative race. We'll have some people from around the area. We're going to interview uh, both, uh, or a sher- we're going to have two sheriffs from a rural county uh, coming in here, and we'll talk to them in a couple of weeks. So we're, we're booking up the show with as many people uh, from both sides that we possibly can, even though it appears that... S- Maybe one side doesn't want to appear on this program. We're going to do our best to represent both sides. Coming up next, that was uh, Hardline is done. Now it's Meet the Press. Uh, We'll be back next week. It's Hardline. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.